0: You don't need to have really the overland accessories, like the the fridges and things that you think may require you to get to that threshold for the second battery. Um, It could be as simple as wanting to just jumpstart yourself. Like you had mentioned, when you get out in the woods and you have a flat battery, you can use a simple isolator to jumpstart yourself. Or if you're winching and you you get to that heavy load where it's just drawing down that battery, you can, can join those two batteries to give you that full little bump. Um, and yank you out of there so yeah there's a lot of different reasons and and ways of going about it
1: you are cordially invited to join our discord server it's a 24 by 7 texting type chat server that you can be a part of just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact scroll on down through there and look for our discord invite are you ready it's the jeep talk show with Wendy, there will be body damage. Jump. I like making people laugh. That's It's good for my soul. Jump. Yeah, I don't think so. And jumpy. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. We have such a great time on our Discord server. Uh, it, uh, many people in the Zoom meeting that we have on uh, Tuesday night, 8 p.m. for the uh, roundtable episode recording Uh, comment that uh, that being in the Discord server is much like being on the Zoom meeting, but you can be there uh, 24 hours a day, uh, seven days a week, and uh, just chat, share pictures, and then have a good time. And I'd like to ask you a special favor. Uh, If you do want to come and join us on our Discord server, check out the Social Media Share channel. Uh, what we have there is uh, some uh, advertisements, uh, if you will, uh, things to let people know about the Jeep Talk Show that are images that you can use on your own social media. Help get the word out about the show. Uh, use these very interesting and colorful uh, images that we've uh, created and, and uh, you know, promote the Jeep Talk Show so we can get more listeners and, uh, frankly, have more fun, uh, not only in our Zoom meetings, but uh, on the uh, the Discord server we got a great interview for, for you tonight, and I think all the interviews are, are great. I mean, I always have fun uh, doing them, and uh, even more fun whenever I'm uh, listening to uh, an interview that Josh or uh, one of the other hosts have done. So, uh, hopefully you're enjoying these interviews. Now, the interviews come out every Friday, so it's a great way to end your work week and uh, get ready for our Tuesday episode. And uh, you may be saying, more than one episode? Well, my gosh, yes, we have four more episodes Tuesday through Friday. So you have about an hour's worth of uh, Jeep goodness uh, every day of the week except Monday. and, uh, And every once in a while on Monday we have a special episode. And on those weeks, it's five days of the Jeep Talk Show. Well, let's get to our interview with Ryan Thurston of Red Arc Electronics. You may remember in a past episode of the Jeep Talk Show that we talked about dual battery setup, and there was quite a bit of conversation going back and forth between Josh and Chuck on that. And uh, now we just brought Ryan on with uh, RedArcElectronics.com, and he's going to answer the question as far as as far as how to set up a dual battery system on your off-road vehicle, and you know maybe it's a Jeep from around the world. Or from your city, and sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor! It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. All right, oh boys and girls, it's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview, and tonight we're going to be talking with Ryan. Ryan has been with Red Arc since they bought. Or I should say bought. I guess they did buy something, but anyway, they brought on the U.S. based team in 2020. He has been in the automotive industry for almost 10 years, starting in college, but has been tinkering with cars since he was a kid. Ryan is a big fan of the outdoors. Living in the Northwest, he likes to hunt, fish, hike, and camp. Uh, And I think that's in the Constitution out there. If you're if you're in the Northwest, that you have to do that. If you don't get outside, they come and pry your ass off the off the couch. His favorite time of the year is winter, and I'm a fat boy. I love winter. Uh, The two non-consecutive days we have of winter down here in Texas is great. So uh, (laughs) he loves winter so they can snow wheel, which is Ryan's favorite off-road pastime. Ryan says, although this is a Jeep podcast, he's a loyal Toyota guy with four Toyotas in total. Uh, How many of them are Priuses? I just got to know. None of them. (laughs)
0: Contrary to popular belief in the Northwest, we do have Toyotas outside of the Prius range.
1: So, uh, you know, the Toyotas are are nice off-road vehicles, but I don't understand why you would go with something that didn't win a war, but really uh, made the uh, U.S. manufacturers build a better product and uh, had really high gas mileage. It's not something you would think of when I go, you know, I want something to take off-road. Let me get something that has great gas mileage and sits really low to the ground. <laughs> yeah yeah you know um at I, least it's not I, a honda you know because they I not make the joke about mowing the yard winning the war and mowing the yard yeah right exactly <laughs> i have a uh, toyota transmission in my uh one owner 1998 uh, jeep cherokee the aw4 and it's a damn good transmission so uh, i know toyota makes uh, makes good things but uh i i guess some people like just kind of living outside the the world of the accepted is what I'm thinking. Because, you know, if you buy a Jeep, you're immediately accepted and you're not shunned by anybody. If you have a Toyota, then you're pretty much only loved by other Toyota uh, uh, owners.
0: Yeah. Or anybody that you get to yank out of the snow.
1: Oh, do they, do they just start? It's not just a grateful thing and then they're gone. They're back to hating.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I just like to assume they love me for a while.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, you know, you don't know any difference, so go with the, what's the positive one. So you can exactly. find out more about Red Arc's products on their website redarcelectronics.com. So it's like, you know, it's like a uh, like a welding arc. So red, the color red which we love here, redarcelectronics.com. Uh and be sure and check out their YouTube channel. So Ryan, we got a little bit off uh, off kilter there, but that's not unusual. Uh, so thank you for being here on the show.
0: Absolutely, I, I'm excited to be here and, uh, and having a nice chat with you.
1: Well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure I'll have a nice chat, uh, but uh, I've already started tearing into you about the Toyota thing. So let's let's talk about that for a second. It has nothing to do with why you're here, but why do you think there is a a, a dislike between Toyota and Jeeps? Is it just uh, because it's a difference, or it's something to pick on each other about, or?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it's the same concept as uh, like. Ford, Chevy, all that kind of stuff—something mm-hmm. just something to nitpick at and, and have a little rivalry. At the end of the day, uh, they're just thankful it's it's not a Prius or a Honda. So, like <laughs> you said, uh, could be worse. But it's it's the uh, it's the ones you see off road the most—Jeeps uh, or Toyotas. So, yeah. kind of get to uh, eye each other down as they drive by, like just nod and waves slowly, thinking, "Yeah, that Jeep's gonna get."
1: there <laughs> so uh, so tell me what uh, on your you have four Toyotas, so I don't want to ask you a general question about all four, but the one that is the best for off uh have w- have you done anything to it and and what's the highlights because uh, I know I know with jeeps you know you can't we don't have enough time to talk about somebody that's actually <laughs> modified a jeep uh, that you've really done a lot of my vacations because you'll forget half of them. Uh, right and uh, so for what are the major modifications that you have on your your most off road capable Toyota?
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's the '07 FJ Cruiser. Uh, probably one of the worst platforms I could have picked to go as far <laughs> as it did. Um, you can't see anything out of it, and uh, but it is a full long travel thirty sevens, bead box, all the all the goodies there. Um, it's just an all around weapon in the snow. That's mm-hmm. what I like to do. Like I said, so. Anything you can be comfortable. Uh, I don't have to listen to the wind noise like a Jeep would because I have a full, complete body to it. Right. So that's nice. Keeps me warm in the winter. Um, but yeah, I my my next one that's actually hopefully getting sold here soon. I'm tearing down and rebuild up uh, an eighty series Land Cruiser. Okay. I'm, I one thing I will give the Jeep the the solid axle life is a lot better than the, than the IFS for me. So that's i'm getting
1: rid of that yeah if if you really want to piss off a jeeper you know if you're working for jeep and you really want to piss off a jeeper start floating the idea of ifs on the new wrangler (laughs) or something you know uh there there is no uh stronger cheaper way of making a good off-road vehicle you know slow slow and curious not not fast i mean obviously ifs for going fast is better uh, but, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why I got into trucks and Jeeps was something I needed to go in something that was slower because somebody was going to die in, in the, the vehicles, <laughs> the fast vehicles I was driving. Not me, but somebody around me was going to, you know, because yeah. when you're young, you're never going to die. That's, that's, that's a rule. So, uh, well, great. Well, it sounds like you, uh, you've you really been through it. Oh, I wanted to ask you about the beadlocks. Did you, did you get into a situation where you found you needed the beadlocks, or was it one of those things where you go, you know, I'm going to get beadlocks. That way I just, uh, they're neat. I'm going to try, I'll just have them. And if I need them, great. If I don't, great.
0: Um, yeah, kind of a little bit of both.
1: Um, did you ever break yeah. a bead, I guess, is the question.
0: No, no. Uh, but I have been in areas where just, I I watched. Uh, an, that's actually a funny story as well. That beatbox and an eighty series kind of came at the same time. I watched a my buddy of mine with an eighty series on forties and beatbox. Just walk right around me in the snow, and it was at that moment I was like, "Well, I need both." So uh, yeah, it was. It wasn't necessarily a necessarily thing where I, I came to a conclusion that I absolutely needed them. My kind of situation popped up and.
1: So it was better performance in the snow. Uh, Now, I'm down in Southeast Texas. I've lived here all my life. I've seen snow like three times. Any major accumulation of snow, which is five inches, which is nothing I know for, for you guys. Uh, so I have no concept of snow wheeling. I think it, be, it sounds wonderful. Again, fat boy in the, in the cold weather is wonderful. You, you can really get out there and just have fun for a long time. So, uh, but I would, I, I would assume that the snow has something to do more with making that wheel spin. I'm sorry, the tire spin on the wheel, or uh, that's what you were seeing, was that you were not getting the same traction, or you needed to air down more to get, get enough traction?
0: Yeah, it's more of the, the, the airing down having the ability to go down to next to nothing right you can kind of float right on top because if you have if you're just too high of pressure you're just going to actually dig in and get stuck, right and i've been fully framed out many a times where i learned my lesson less psi is best
1: yeah so what are we talking about are we talking about two psi eight psi what's what's next to nothing i mean i'm thinking one is next to nothing
0: i i, I believe the guy that was on 40s walk around was at like zero or one whatever you (laughs) can kind of squeeze out of it trying to see if he can compress those sidewalls anymore right Um, but I was running on my 35s without beadlocks I was down at like eight or nine right Um, he was getting the job done I just ran out of real estate and clearance yeah this floats right on top so
1: that's really cool. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, I think I think uh, snow filling. Uh, if nothing else, it's like uh, Wheeling in Christmas, because you see it. You know, it, down here you would see pictures of snow and the the evergreens and stuff, and you see a lot of that during Christmas time as far as pictures and cards and stuff. So to me, it would the only thing better about it would be is if uh, they had decorated the trees with uh, a <laughs> little. You know, little decorations, you know, while you're out there. But uh, right. yeah, I can imagine that's quite fun. But it's also dangerous, too, isn't it? you got to be prepared uh, in case you do get stuck. You, you can't go out there by yourself. You need to have somebody in another capable vehicle with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We, see, we actually have some really great resources out here. Um, get stuck, you can reach out. It's called um, Warner, something like that, Washington Area Rescue right. Network in group of guys that ready at any moment if someone posts out that they're stranded if they do make that mistake um they'll get you out of there in a flash but yeah it's it's pretty dangerous you can slide off the hills there's huge rock faces and cliffs and stuff
1: right definitely an interesting day but uh a day ender so the yeah got to be careful out there so anybody that's trying snow wheeling for the first time uh, be smart about it we always say make sure that you go with somebody uh, whenever you're going off road that doesn't mean taking them in the passenger seat they, it means another capable vehicle uh, you don't want to drag a backup uh, vehicle out there like a Prius and think they're going to be able to help you so uh, hope hope that's point well taken well, Ryan, you know, I think every Jeeper and perhaps every off-roader has thought about a dual battery setup. If you've ever uh, lost a the ability to start your vehicle, maybe because you were running a refrigerator or, or even left your lights on, your off-road lights on, uh, you think, oh, man, it'd be great if I had a second battery that I could uh, use. And I, I'd imagine some people have actually got that second battery and just took it, hooked it up in parallel uh, getting the 12 volts, doubling, doubling up the the available current, but that there's a problem with that, isn't there? Because you can, if you have one bad battery, it can actually hurt the other battery, or it, because they're, they're going to balance out between the two. So, so that's yep. that's something that you, one of the products that you guys sell, or several of the products you guys sell, help eliminate that issue of uh, dr- uh, draining between the two batteries. Tell me more about that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So like you said, when you start getting into adding accessories, like I had mentioned before, um, and you're you're coming across those dead batteries and you think just parallel on a battery, you're going to get extra current or amperage. Um, But what happens is, is there's really nothing to isolate the two batteries. So when one does go flat, they're pretty much essentially both flat because they're tied together. They're going to eat that. And that's where we come in. With uh, either a simple isolator, if you're just looking to isolate the battery, then that secondary battery is kind of on its own until you start the vehicle back up. So when that one is dead, you still have enough juice in your start battery to get you fired back up and mosey on down the road or just leave it running, charging the second one. Um, especially if you're leaving your lights or music on, just jamming out in the woods, um, you're going to want to have something to rely upon.
1: So Ryan, one of the things that you guys uh, have on your site is a, a way to run two batteries. And I know that a lot of off-roaders think about running two batteries, you know, the first time you get in there and try to start it up, especially if you're someplace far away from jumper cables and other vehicles, you think, oh my God, I wish I had a second battery where I could just switch it over and, uh, and start it up. And, and some people actually just wire their batteries in parallel. Uh, and that's not the best way of doing it, is it?
0: Correct, yeah. Um, you're still, it's still a liability with the running in parallel because you're, you're just expanding your capacity. Um, but at the end of the day, if you utilize all of your capacity, your both batteries are still going to be dead like you were in the first place. Um, so yeah, we, like you had mentioned, our website, we, we have quite a few options for adding that second battery. Um, you can go as simple as a, a, a simple isol- isolator, which is really budget friendly. Um, all the way is crazy up to our our dual battery charging systems, which incorporate a lot of other features as well. So it, it really depends on on kind of what you're looking for, um, and you you can build your own experience around it. You don't need to have really the Overland accessories like the the fridges and things that you think may require you to get to that threshold for the second battery. Um, it could be as simple as wanting to just jumpstart yourself, like you had mentioned when you get out in the woods and you have a flat battery, you can use a simple isolator to jumpstart yourself. Or if you're winching and you, you get to that heavy load where it's just drawn down that battery, you can can join those two batteries to give you that full little bump um, and yank you out of there. So yeah, there's a lot of different reasons and, and ways of going about it.
1: So you, you said something just uh, just a few seconds ago about um, you, can do, you can have the dual battery set up or you can do more with your systems. What do you mean? What else can you do besides, you know, having a backup battery in case you've pulled the primary battery down? What other kind of configuration do you have with that? Or or, or did I misunderstand what you were saying?
0: Um what I was interp- what I meant to me is more like you can add different points of charging from solar or from oh, okay. shore power. Things like that. So we can go as crazy as just simply tying the two together all the way to actually producing a charge um, and and charging and and actually smart maintaining a battery um, from, like I said, solar, AC power, or DC power. So just have many different options there, depending on your budget and what you're trying to do.
1: And and does the the isolator, uh, does it uh, charge one battery than the other or both of them at the same time? Or how does that work?
0: Yep. So it's it, it's tied directly to both batteries um, and not from the alternator. A lot of people think that it's the power is coming directly off the alternator. But what happens is is we tie it directly to the start battery uh, leads and the, the auxiliary battery leads. That way we're able to monitor voltage at both of the batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, and with a simple isolator, it pulls that power from the start battery, but only once it hits above 13.2 volts, which is an optimum enough volts to, to say yes is that battery is charged. And then say you turn the vehicle off and it's still going to be drawing power to the auxiliary battery. Once that, that isolator sees at the leads of that start battery that it's at 12.7 volts, which is uh, a perfect level to be able to start your vehicle again. Um, any lower, you're really going to get kind of in that gray area. Um, it will cut off that circuit and you're going to be solely relying on that auxiliary battery. That way, you are saving the day for yourself when you do go to turn that truck over. It's going to fire up.
1: So the isolator does it pull? Uh, uh, does it draw a current and voltage while it's sitting there doing its thing, or is it, um, it the senses ever so often and shuts off and comes back on? You know what I'm saying here? Is is the isolator going to cause you a battery issue?
0: <laughs> no. Yeah, the isolator will not cause you a battery issue. Um, it is, it's, as long as your, your start battery is healthy in the first place, your alternator is healthy in the first place, and it can support the draw that you have and the demand that you have on the secondary battery it should be just fine.
1: Gotcha. So obviously the best, the best thing to do is to have two good uh, batteries there, but especially these days, batteries are so expensive. Sometimes you, you get a battery and you go, yeah. well, I'm going to get a second battery <laughs> And and actually, this is a really good reason to have an isolator, because you won't have a a battery that's not necessarily bad, but not as good as the one you're putting in there, and it keeps it isolated. Now, uh, it sounds like to me, from what you're saying, is it handles, the isolator is smart, it handles all this on its own, so there is no manual switching between batteries?
0: Correct, there is no manual switching unless you want to. Um, not, not really in that sense. But you can manually override that, which I had mentioned before about the jump starting yourself or conjoining the batteries for winching. Um, there is an override that you uh, wire that you can run to a push button switch for those certain situations. Um, that way, if you want to, like I said, when you're winching, you can conjoin those two batteries, get that full pull. Or if you are flat, you can conjoin the two batteries to jumpstart yourself. That is the manual override in that portion.
1: Oh, that's very cool. So the I think the only thing uh, that Jeepers like better than stickers are buttons that they can install on the dash to press. I suspect yeah. the Toyota people are the same way. So it's it's always great to have that Starship Enterprise Scotty function where you get you press the override button or, or you reconfigure the, the your machine to do something like that. So that's really cool. So is there is there anything else that you can think of about the, the The battery isolator that might, I mean, does anybody ever do three batteries or can you do different size batteries or does it have to be the same cold cranking amps and obviously all 12 volts? I would think that that's a requirement.
0: Yeah, with the with the isolator, the, the requirement is, is that it does have to be the same battery chemistry. That way it is it is. The, the start battery is, and the auxiliary battery have the same draw and pull to it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you mix chemistries, you can over-pull to one side and it drains them too fast and it just kind of fights itself in a, in its simplest terms.
1: Well, it, it changes the way they're charged too, doesn't it, when they, the battery chemistry is different? Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the, boy, you'd really have to have a smart device. <laughs> you'd be configuring it like a damn computer. Uh, well, really yeah. cool. So, uh, yeah, I think that's probably one of the... the uh, pie-in-the-sky things that every off-roader wants, especially if they have a place to put a second battery. Uh, would you guys, I know sometimes uh, there's not a lot of room uh, under the hood. Uh, do you guys uh, recommend or perhaps even have a kit where it, it could be remote-mounted, say, in the, the back of the vehicle and then uh, huge cables run <laughs> up to the front where the other battery is?
0: Yeah, yep. Um, so the the isolator and our BCDCs are able to be mounted Either under the hood, withstanding heat in in some uh, elements, the BCD itself can handle a lot of elements, water, all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, it is just direct wiring. So if if you can if you have enough wire to run it from all the way from the back or wherever, um, the isolator does generally uh, want to be near the start battery. That way, it is getting that initial voltage readout. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, by the time it does see that twelve point seven, if it's at the back of the vehicle, by the time it relays that information back to stop cutting power or to cut power, it may drop uh, faster than you expected. So the isolator itself, we like to have it as close as you can to the start battery. Um, but our BCDCs and our and our other charging um, products that we have, we actually like them to be as close as they can be to the charging battery that that it's the auxiliary battery, um, so it can make up for voltage drop and all that fun stuff
1: all right well very cool um so uh let's move on oh well actually I got one more question so your your solar option for charging the the batteries um do you i think this is a mistake a lot of people make and maybe it is or isn't a mistake and you can clarify it for me whenever you buy a 100 watt panel and i don't know what the size uh wattage panels that you guys have when you buy a 100 watt panel people go okay great I'll, I'll just hook that up and uh it'll be charged in no time but 100 watts takes a long time to charge a battery depending on how low it is and if it won't start you're going to be charging for a while it, it, it is, is it what's do you sell multiple panels or is it just here's a hundred watt panel and this is how long it's going to take you see what i'm asking here
0: yeah absolutely so yeah right out of the gate um especially someone from the northwest uh, us we don't really know what sun is half the time <laughs> right um so i i'm pretty much I'm uh, pretty blunt about this to to most people that ask me um they they want to rely on solar to keep their systems charged um, solely solar, which is kind of funny worded, but, um, and I say, that's unless you're in Arizona and you're constantly in the desert and you don't utilize a lot of power, um, it's not realistic, um, especially for I we the way we build systems and the way I like to go about building charging systems is take your worst day manageable, is your highest draws, everything's going to be on. Can you sustain that with, uh, we like to say, rule of thumb, about five or six amps, per 100 watts of solar um, is what you're going to get from that. And if you, the average person in in the overland world, what we see most of that are going battery systems wise, they're getting about a 100 amp battery. So if you imagine five amps an hour in complete sun, (laughs) which in most places, that's only a few hours of the day, um, it's going to take you a week and a half to charge that battery back up. Right. Um, And so if you're relying on that for a daily usage, that's not an ideal situation. Right.
1: Might, so be good, multi- might be good for charging a phone, but not so much a, 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 a vehicle battery and certainly not two.
0: Correct. Yep. So multiple panels at minimum if you're trying to sustain yourself and then having other means of, of charging, um, being able to turn the vehicle on or shore power if you're at a campground or a Walmart parking lot, wherever you can steal a little bit of juice from. Um, you're going to have to just kind of take advantage when you can yeah
1: yeah so you mentioned uh, you can hook up AC uh, you can do the the solar panels which is of course DC uh, and wh- are there are there any other charging uh, charging things that you have available for the the isolator um, or is that about it
0: so the isolator is specifically just DC so straight from the vehicle um, when you get into our BC DC um, that's the kind of the next tier up of our product uh, that does have solar and dc and it is a built-in isolator as well and then we jump up to our manager 30 which is a bigger platform that's when you get all of the the features in there with ac okay. dc and solar yeah so it, yeah it's kind of a tiered the system the isolator itself is the most simplest form of charging and it's the the most budget friendly, and as you kind of work up, you get more features, more data feedback, all that stuff.
1: Yeah. So, g- guys, keep that in mind that if you're thinking about uh, getting one of these systems and you're gonna th- just hang a solar panel off of it, uh, you probably need a bunch of solar panels. You have to th- you have to think ahead before you make. Uh, make this plan i mean two, two batteries uh and uh, having it isolated is going to be a big thing for you and probably take care of most things but if you're looking at doing this as some sort of trickle charge or maybe i get stuck out in the uh the back 40 and I, I'm, I'm just going to sit there and, and cool my heels for an hour eh, you might get lucky but more than lucky you won't and you'll have to have a different way of uh, getting that uh, getting those batteries charged and correct me if I'm wrong on any of these things. I just want to make sure that uh, the people don't go in, buy something, and that it doesn't work for them. And, and then you guys get the blame for it when it was just never designed <laughs> to work that way.
0: Yeah. So, no, just to clarify, like super quick and simple, um, isolator is just charging off the vehicle. The BCDC is uh, charging off the vehicle and solar because it is a built-in solar regulator. Um, and to tie into that solar... Um, Solar panels. Uh, there's two types of panels. There's unregulated and regulated panels. Regulated have the built-in regulator on there, so you can go direct to the terminal of the battery, and it'll it'll convert that juice for you. Um, unregulated, you need a, a type of regulator, which our products have built in outside of the just the isolator, but the BCDC and the Manager 30. Um, so we we rec- they have to be unregulated panels, otherwise it's a redundant system with a regulator and a regulator. Um but yeah, super simple. Just make sure it's a unregulated panel with our products or make sure that the product that you want if you want to just have a solar panel, if it if it has a regulator, just go direct to the battery and you're good to go.
1: Right. And your your battery isolators are not vehicle dependent. It's just really you know, anything that has a battery in it, right?
0: Yeah, as long as it ha is a twelve volts source, um, that's really all it needs to see.
1: Right. Yeah. So I, I you know, we were talking about the Toyota Jeep thing earlier, and and it's it's not the vehicle or brand specific, like you say. As long as it's 12 volts, and I would imagine a positive ground system. I don't know anybody that uses negative ground anymore. So you know, with just a few little items there, you, so you could have this on your tow vehicle, uh, you could have this on uh, your Jeep, your Toyota. Uh, uh, I guess Prius would be redundant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, let, let, let's jump. Well, I, I'm assuming uh, that uh, I'm going in. Order here is the things that are people are most interested in. But let me ask you: I would think that the uh, the battery isolators are a big product that you guys sell, but but maybe not. What is a what is some of the big products that that you find your customers reaching out to you for?
0: Our two main things that I get the most requests for more information or a better understanding of install um, application things like that would be our brake controllers. So we have our two two lines of brake controllers and then our bcdc charging system just because it's kind of the swiss army knife of chargers mm-hmm. um but yeah that's between those two that's what we see most and now solar people are really starting to get into solar as the costs are becoming a little more um available or the costs are coming down and the product is becoming more available um, that's coming in as a close third and now inverters as well we just launched our line of inverters so people are getting more information on that
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to ask you about the inverters um, because I don't know that people necessarily understand what and why you would use an inverter. Um, I, and, I, and and correct me if I'm wrong on this, when you use an inverter, you're it's actually not as a, as efficient as just running straight DC because you've got it's like parasitic drag on a on a four-wheel drive. You got more components in there, so it's taken away from the horsepower uh so so the uh why would somebody need a a power inverter
0: yeah the simplest term about it is um to run household items so there's two types of char uh, two types of power i like to say there's ac which is your household um, 120 110 what have you and then there's dc which is 12 volt 24 volt that kind of concept so when you have something that plugs into your cigarette lighter in your vehicle, that's generally uh 12 volts, uh, DC. Mm-hmm. And then you have something that goes into a wall plug, um, like you have at home, that's the easiest way to think about it is, is either kind of a cigarette lighter or a wall plug to separate the AC and DC. So if you want to run a hairdryer, uh, an induction cooktop, your laptop chargers, that, um, your laptop chargers, your camera chargers, things like that, espresso machines. Um, people get pretty crazy out there and they they like to have their household items in uh, um, creature comforts, we like to say. So if you're and like you said, it it is a parasitic draw. So you're converting uh, that, that inverter is converting it from that AC power back to DC power. So it can cycle through the charging or through the vehicle system. And that in itself is inefficiency. Um, And then if you're, if you're running like a, an extension cord off of that to something that is 12 volt (laughs) you're you're going from dc to ac back to dc you're just all jumbled up there um and yeah just because you
1: can connect it together and convert it doesn't mean it's the best thing to do
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and and i've done it before just because it was well, easier you for me have to just plug in. yeah
1: sometimes you have to it just makes yeah. sense but yeah but you, these are things that you need to consider and maybe read up on uh, or or ask them at uh, Red Arc uh, what what's the best best way of going about this before you start uh, you know shoveling out the money now if you're looking at inverters uh, Red Arc has a 400 watt pure sine wave inverter and the pure sine wave just means that it has a a, a good uh sine wave like you what you would expect to see at home it's not going to be noisy it's not a co- it's less likely to cause damage to uh things not like necessarily laptops because the battery will isolate it but other things that it, it, it the uh, you, if you get ripple and stuff in the ac it can actually cause damage to the unit and again correct me if i'm wrong on any of these things ryan um, no, you're spot on. But the the thing here is, is that you and you mentioned the hairdryer, and I think this is a, a great way that I like to, to explain this to people. <laughs> your hair dryer is probably a fifteen hundred watt hair dryer. So so to yeah. run that hairdryer uh, through an inverter, which would be tied into your twelve volt system, uh, the, the current price for the fifteen hundred watt pure sine wave inverter from uh, RedArcElectronics.com uh, is six hundred and thirty nine dollars so it's going to cost you six hundred and thirty nine dollars to blow dry your hair
0: (laughs) and it could get worse than that if it is truly a 1500 watt uh, hair dryer within the built-in inefficiencies of ac you're going to have to bump up to that 2000 watt because you're going to peak you're going to peak out at that above that 1500 range and it's not going to function properly so you're going to have to go to that 2000 range and which is even more expensive and you then have to build your battery system around it because if you're going to take 20 minutes to dry your hair at 1500 watts that's 125 amps if you only have a 100 amp hour battery if you're you're using it for 20 <laughs> minutes you're you're going to crush that battery for the rest of your day yeah i'm glad so you, that yeah.
1: you thought through this thing cuz i haven't thought that far into it i just wouldn't do it because yeah. uh, let me ask you this do you guys sell hats red arc hats or anything so, yes, we do. so instead of uh, taking your, uh, your hair dryer, buy a Red Hark hat, and that yeah. way you don't have to blow dry your hair. But this is the thing you need to consider whenever you're thinking about getting an inverter. We're very spoiled in our homes because we have a, a 125 uh, amp for our house or a 200 amp, and it's con- continuous. It's not. Coming from a battery that's going to deplete itself, it, 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 you're going to pay for it, obviously, but that's why they have the transformers and lines and stuff out there. So, yes, you can run AC appliances, but don't take your, uh, your full-size refrigerator and stick it in the back of your Gladiator and think you're going to be running that thing because <laughs> it, it's, it's a lot more watts than, than what's capable of. And this is one of the reasons why you guys sell uh, DC refrigerators because it's more efficient in DC than running through an inverter.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I recommend those all the time. We personally in our red arc vehicles have, uh, the really nice ARB zero fridges and they draw next to nothing. And it's pretty impressive to show people that in with, if it, the compressor's not on it's drawing 0.2 of an amp, which that can last you weeks if you're, if it never kicks back on, if you stay in the Northwest and it doesn't get hot, you could last forever on that. Um, but it, the the technology these days is impressive with 12 volt
1: yeah, yeah, so you want to stay with 12 volt as much as possible so let me uh, let me get you over to the the trailer electric trailer brake controllers now i 'm going to yeah. tell you everything I know about this, which is it uh, through some electrical means you are engaging and disengaging brakes on your trailer or whatever the hell you whatever the hell it is that you're towing um so that's all I know go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, to get real in-depth
0: for for a half a second, the, the electric braking uh, systems on your trailers are going to receive a voltage um, from the vehicle dependent on the brake pressure or however, however your brake controller is going to send that, that information. And that voltage is dependent on how hard the brakes are setting. So the higher the voltage, the, the harder the brakes are setting on the vehicle or on the, the trailer itself. Um, so the controller will determine that signal to send to the back. Um, Let me stop and, and you real quick,
1: Does, are, are you saying that it senses how much brake pr- pedal pressure you're using on your brakes, like the, the towing, the tow vehicle? So ours
0: doesn't do brake pressure itself, ours is inertia, so it's, it's sensing oh, okay. the, the vehicle. Yeah, so um, to get into that, on, on ours, ours is, it has a little brain box, and what that brain box has is a three-way axis sensor, um, and it's good for two things. Um, one, you can install it in any orientation. You can install upside down, uh, right side up, facing left, facing right, and it will automatically calibrate itself once it's plugged in mm-hmm. and powered. Um, so this leaves a lot of uh, freedom for installation because there is really no wrong way to install it at that point. Use wherever it fits, it gets to go in there. Yeah, um, and as we know, it's up and under the dash. And as we know these days, there's a lot of stuff under the dash point for you. Um, so anywhere you can fit that in, you're going to be able to utilize the, the access sensor for that, that as well. The second point of that is, is it's inertia based, so it's going to be able to detect how fast that vehicle is traveling, how hard that vehicle is trying to stop. And it's going to calculate that for you up to your gain level that you set, like you would a pinch knob or your dial that we have on ours Mm -hmm. and translate that to the back of the trailer as efficient and smoothly as possible.
1: That's cool. So I, I was thinking, because I've only seen pictures of these brake controllers, and I'm thinking that whenever you're stopping, you have to pr- apply the brake with your foot and your finger as you're pressing the button. And 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 you know how does it know I mean, I'm locking up the brakes on that trailer depending on the load of course you know it was like how do you control all that stuff it just sounds like you know uh, walking and chewing bubble gum at the same time which is impossible for most of us but but right. what you're saying is is that this controller senses all that and, and and applies the proper brakes but you can still adjust how much you want to do right
0: absolutely yep right out the get go um, if you're familiar with trailering. Um, you probably have a general cons- uh, uh, consensus of where you want to be on that gain scale. It's it's from zero to 10. Mm-hmm. Um, you can start right smack dab in the middle at five. Um, and there's two kind of, for people that haven't towed before, there's two good measures to do this. Um, one, our dial will have a, a lighting uh, in accordance to how heavy your pressure is. So if you're seeing these super dark reds, that means you're having to press the brake too hard um, for, for most of the time that you're trying to apply the brakes. So that means you can either a turn up the dial, um, or just drive slower. But, uh, <laughs> the second part is the feel, the feeling of it. If, if it's pulling you backwards, um, if that, that trailer is, is parachuting you backwards, mm-hmm. that means your, your gain is too high. Or if it's pushing you forward, like you're in a lunch line and it's chicken nugget day, um, that means it's not enough that so you can turn it higher. Um, So there's the feel aspect to it, and then there's the visual aspect to it for you as well. So you can set on the dial, um, and that dial is also really useful for the sway correction. If that thing's starting to get away from you, Um, and you don't want to hit the vehicle brakes, because then you're just kind of going to jam itself into you, you can keep that vehicle tow vehicle straight, and if you press and hold the button on the dial, it, it is a button in itself, you press and hold that, it will apply the brakes for you and what that does is that'll straighten that trailer right back behind you like an arrow, um, and it'll just follow you right along. Oh, that's so really,
1: it. really cool. Yeah. So that's really nice. I like that. Now, I have a uh, 2021 uh, Gladiator, and uh, my plan is, is to use it to help tow my XJ out off-road. So that's one of the reasons why I'm interested in the, the brake controller. Now, I don't know if you have any specific information about the Gladiator but uh and you probably have more than one uh brake controller but how how do you go about installing this is it something like say say for example I don't have a trailer I go and rent one from U-Haul would it would this work with a U-Haul trailer
0: Absolutely yep so it ties into the vehicle side not the actual trailer side um so for specifically for a Gladiator um you can actually order red art straight from the factory as an OEM option. Oh cool. Will, yep. So we are an OEM option in in some of the Jeeps um the Gladiator specifically they do take away your 12 volt socket uh, cigarette lighter, that, that's where they do mount it, I believe. Yeah, um, I, we know, I know what a, you're talking about.
1: Yeah, I've actually, I, I didn't realize it was a red arc, but I, I remember watching a video that had that in there, and I went, but I want the thing to plug stuff into. It it's good. Good. But I mean, it's, it looks great there. It looks factory uh, installed there. Yeah, yep. So that—that that
0: is an option if you decide to do it afterwards. Um, we do have switch inserts, vehicle, like switch blanks, that you can just utilize that way. Um, and then it will tie your vehicle, if it does have a tow package, will have a dongle of, or a wire of some sort clip underneath. Mm-hmm. And you'll find that, and we sell a, a gladiator specific plug and play harness. And that will go, the, the harness will run from that factory supplied clip or, or plug or harness into our little small brake module. And off of that, it's just going to have the actual unit itself, whereas the dial and all that stuff, which you'll run to a switch insert, or if you want it in a custom location, um, you just, there there's behind the button is just a small shaft and that shaft is, is, you just have to drill a hole, maybe in the center console or the dash, wherever you want it specifically custom. Um, and that is that small shaft is what has to fit through there, not the whole unit. So you can get pretty creative. Um, and make it look really sleek in there as well.
1: Yeah, so um, There is no communication between the gladiator and the controller. It's all it's it's a, a standalone system where you uh, Like if you if you get your the, you, the controller is doing everything So the button is just allowing you just to, to control that controller and then the controller talks to the, the trailer
0: yeah. Yep. So it's it's tied into the the the, the Gladiator itself, so that it way it can send that signal through the seven way that's already installed from the factory. Yeah, but, isn't um, that, but there's
1: no U Connect thing or any any software upgrades or anything like that. It's just using nope. the wiring. Correct.
0: Yep. Okay. So it's use the within the brain box itself. Like I mentioned with the access sensor, that's doing all the the calculations and and smart features for you, and it's just going to translate that through the wiring back to your trailer. And you just, all you're in control of is that little dial um, setting 1 through 10 or your emergency brake. That's all you need to know.
1: So it sounds like it's a real simple uh, install other than, you know, you, you kind of freak out when you take that dash apart because I've already been back there. Uh, but, uh, it, and you really, the only thing you lose, and if you want the factory install, I, I think that replacing uh, the 12 volt charging port is the way to go because it it's right there it's right where you can get to it very easily and it's visible uh right there and i just really like that and th- you can always do something with another you can always put another 12 volt charging port around if you need it uh did you is that a good installation do you think or do you do, do, yeah okay uh, cuz i may like, be missing it's, something
0: it's really dependent on on your your needs if you do want that that cigarette lighter up there, most people these days are running USB style connections, so right. they're they're not necessarily utilizing that 12 volt socket anymore. Um, they're utilizing the built in USBs, or they're they're adding on additional USBs. So maybe you don't need that 12 volt. Maybe you do for a GPS of some sort. Um, that's really dependent on you. Um, but yeah, we have a really awesome video by one of our um, our videographers that we utilize often. is a big gladiator guy. And he did a, a really amazing video of him, him installing his brake controller in his Gladiator. So for you, you specific Gladiator guys, we have a walkthrough that'll just basically show you everything you need to do um, right from the gate. And it looks visually appeasing as well. He's a great videographer. So but it, that's on our.
1: Go ahead. So it sounds like to me that even if you don't do a lot of towing, this wouldn't be a bad thing to have in case you did need to tow. Because sometimes uh, we have to move and of course sometimes we don't have to move but your friend knows you have a truck <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you're going to move them so uh this may not be a bad thing to add to your gladiator just so you'll have it available whenever you need it instead of trying to you know hurry up and install it and 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 then have to learn how to use it
0: absolutely and and a lot of people don't know this but there there are um, very specific requirements across the united states it, it varies greatly by state but um weight limits on trailers that you're towing, if it's over a certain level, I think the average I think is about 3,000 pounds, the state will require you to have a a brake controller of some sort. Um, So if you think you can get away with it for one or two times, you never know um, when you're going to need to tow something and it could be that last minute and you don't have a brake controller, these days trying to get it, if you're not doing it yourself, trying to find an installer to do it for you, um, next day is next to impossible anymore, so you want to plan ahead for that as much as
1: possible. Right. Would you, would you think that a, a, an average person could do this installation themselves, or would you recommend having it installed?
0: It, it, all of our, most of our, I say all of our, most of our products are actually designed for the DIYer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and most of it, with, especially with the electronic side, it's just kind of getting out of your own head. Um it's very straightforward. It's just the kind of overall picture of it can get kind of um crazy at first. And you just <laughs> kinda of have to take off baby bites. But with the brake controllers, if you get the plug and play harness, the plug and play vehicle specific switch insert, especially for the gladiator taking out that twelve uh that twelve volt plug, mm-hmm. um, we have videos that will walk you right through it and you get to listen to this really Soothing guy's voice um, on YouTube. So I mean, you can't get any better than that.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, that's what you got to do when, before you work on anything. Even if you've uh, done it before, it's like, oh, let me go, let me go to the YouTube and get that YouTube certified certified mechanic uh, view of it. Oh, yeah. If nothing Absolutely. else, it's just great to know where you're looking for things because sometimes the 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 verbal description it's like what the where the hell is that and then you look at it instantly you you know exactly where to go to look on your vehicle and uh, makes things go a lot faster it doesn't find that missing ten millimeter socket uh, or, the, or that tool that you didn't put back in the right place and you spend fifteen minutes looking for it, it doesn't help you there. But uh, that's that's on you. So this this right. sounds really good, really cool. So uh, uh, and I'm sure you have various prices depending on the, the what kind of electric uh, trailer brake controller you're buying. But uh, what kind of price range are we talking about here? A couple hundred bucks, thousand uh, dollars, fifteen thousand dollars? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I would personally love it to be fifteen thousand oh, dollars, but I don't I don't think anybody would buy it at that point. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah. So there's two models, and I'm going to actually kind of break away for one second just to kind of explain the difference between the two. Sure. But the um the the we call it the base model which is if you if you're only towing on road that's your everyday towing you're just going to and from the campground that's it you don't need any extra bells and whistles you just want something that works then you turn the dial to whatever you need it and you set it and forget it um we call that our tow pro liberty and that's going to be in the in the low mid hundred dollar uh it's about 140 hundred gosh that's just cheap Yeah. Um, and that's just for the controller. So it's about another 25, 30 bucks for the the vehicle specific harness, especially for the gladiator. I think it's like $28. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the vehicle specific switch insert, which is another 10 to 20 bucks. So all in you're about $200 range. Um, and then if, if you're doing it yourself, obviously you're saving that cash. So you're, you're less than 250 bucks for that one. Right. Um And that is the inertia-based controller. So you set it out of four. It's up to that level. So if you're just kind of coming up to an easy stop at the at the gr- red light, you're not going to send that four voltage um, to the back because it doesn't need it. So you're going to kind of save your your um, braking systems on that. So it's not it's just always sending the the hardest signal it needs to. It it does it alleviates that for you. Um, and if you do map the brakes, then obviously it's going to send a four. So then that's our Liberty, our base model. Our, our high-tier model, we call the Topro Elite, and that is for the off-road oriented folks out there and that does have the same features that the base model does, that inertia-based where it's up to that level, but it also has a secondary driving mode, and we like to call that off-road mode um, or a direct voltage mode. So that is where if you set it at a four and you're tapping the brakes or you're matting the brakes, you're going to get that four. And the benefit of that is especially for the off-road folks or just people that want a whole lot more control over their towing um, is that if you're say you're coming down a big mountain pass and you want that trailer to kind of anchor you back without having to mat the brakes on your lead vehicle um, because that will cause over time brake fade and then you lose brakes entirely and you're just jesus take the wheel as <laughs> that damn the
1: button uh, the controller button to try <laughs> yeah. to use the brakes on the trailer yeah <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And it does get expensive when you're when you're relying that much more on your tow vehicle brakes because it's going to it's going to wear and tear that much faster. Um, And if you can alleviate a lot of that with the 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 trailer itself, it'll save you a lot of cash in the long run. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if you're in soft sand, mud, off road trails um, and you want to turn that down next to nothing where it's not going to sink it. That trailer itself doesn't lock up and sink in that mud or that sand or snow. um, You have a little more control that way. And then I personally towed an off-road trailer around Moab in, uh, last year. And it's just such a smooth transition to braking that it, you're not dragging wheels as you're trying to drop down into a nice little rock cliff. It's a, it's a controlled stop. So it's not jerking you around. You're not getting pushed off a ledge or anything like that. So you, you're paying for that extra control on a, on a, either a toy hauler or, or a uh, pull behind teardrop or off-road trailer. Or just someone that has a big fifth wheel and they want a lot of control of, of going over mountain passes or flat roads, it's windy, what have you. mm
1: mm-hmm. Well, and again, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think what this does for a really a very low price, much lower than what I thought it would be, uh, you get two things that save your tow vehicle. That is, you don't uh, wear out the brakes fast or any faster, which can be a hundred, two hundred dollars on it on its own, and it gives you some, uh, it gives you more control and safety. Uh, if that uh, trailer starts wiggling on you, know, from what you were told, telling us earlier, press and hold the button, and then it straightens it right out. I mean, yep. I think we've all seen those videos where the, the, the trailer starts wiggling back and forth because it's not loaded properly, and then overgoes the trailer and usually takes the vehicle with it. And that's certainly a lot more expensive than a couple hundred bucks, and and, and a bad way to end your day. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. We, I,
0: I, I spend a lot of time on the road, and I see it frequently, um especially in the mountain because leaving washington state you you go through a mountain pass of some sort to get really anywhere and uh that's where it's the real identifier of of if you loaded your trailer correctly going up and over those passes <laughs> with a lot of wind yeah. you're gonna you see him long darting left and right off the side of the mountains um and oh, you just know like <laughs> <laughs> a cheap uh, a, a cheap insurance policy with a proper brake controller would go a long way.
1: Yeah, so it's user installable for the most part. I mean, it's a DIY. It's only a couple hundred bucks, maybe maybe up to three hundred. Like for the the, the Tow Pro Elite, which I'm looking at, it's only two hundred nineteen bucks. You guys aren't even doing two nineteen ninety nine. It's two nineteen point So it's two hundred nineteen bucks, and then what? Another 40 dollars $40 worth of uh, goodies you add to this uh yeah. and then and then you're set up so this just makes sense i love the price on this and I'll, i i really i think i've talked myself into go ahead and doing the modification uh to the gladiator because it would be great to have it there uh in case i i, I wanted to tow or maybe an emergency came up and i needed to tow something now getting uh, and this is something that i don't know because i i don't do any towing the you can't it this isn't a a standard thing on a trailer the trailer has to, I mean, just because it's a trailer doesn't mean it has uh, electric brakes. So if you're going to get one of these things, you have to have or rent a trailer that has the electronic brakes on it.
0: Correct. Uh, Electronic or electronic over hydraulic. Um, And those are the two that will function properly. If you just go to U-Haul and rent a a small pull-behind trailer, generally those are going to be a surge trailer where it has its own mechanism on the tongue of it, which will help determine how how hard to stop by the amount of force it's pushing against the vehicle that will use the surge braking. Um, but most of the bigger trailers, um, flatbeds, things like that, camper trailers, some boat trailers now, even getting down into the heavier, multi jet ski trailers, some of those can come with electronic brakes as well. So, yeah. Just something to, to be aware of, like you said. Just make sure you have the proper trailer or the, yeah, the proper braking controller for the proper trailer.
1: But this, but the, the tow Pro Elite or the other model, uh, the Liberty, both will work with any electric toes out there? Yep. I mean, any electric braking systems? Okay. So, yep. uh, but but I just want to make sure people understand that just because you have this, doesn't mean you you don't have to have the other. It's not an automatic. Oh, well, where do I hook it up? There's nothing to hook up here. So you know you you have to make sure you got things matched up. Uh, and if you get your own trailer, you you definitely want to make sure that it has the right braking system for your controller. Um, yeah. So uh, just looking at the 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 tow pro elite, um, I see where it has the mounting uh, the mounting points on it. Where would you? And this is probably in the video, and I can just go read or watch online. But I'm gonna ask anyway. Where would you mount this thing? Especially if you have uh, a gladiator that you take off road, because you you don't want to uh, you don't want to necessarily submerge this thing, or or can you?
0: No, you don't want to submerge it. Um, most people, uh, especially in that gladiator video, right at the bottom, right below the steering wheel, there's a big face plate that you can get back behind. There's the airbag. Um, we have a, an actual mounting kit. It's just a a simple mounting bracket um, that in the video he uses. Mm-hmm. But if you if if that area isn't uh, sufficient for you, it does have the just off of the body of the brake controller itself are kind of two wings with open
1: slots. Yeah, that's what I was looking at.
0: And if you have uh, a fixed point up in any portion uh, portion underneath the vehicle that you can get zip ties to or bolt that through, as long as it's sturdy, because again, it does have the access sensor, so it's constantly monitoring (laughs) that. that would freak it out, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah, if you you just zip tie it to a a pack of wires and it's constantly moving around, that thing's going to lose its mind and you're not going to have a great towing experience. But if it's Super sturdy. Um, so even some people have done self-tappers, if they, depending on the location. As long as that is fixed and not moving and can get a good calibration, which you'll know right off the get-go once you power it on. If it doesn't finish its calibration cycle, that means something went wrong and to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as long as it's nice and sturdy, have at it.
1: And this is the whole system, right? It's just this system that and, and and I misunderstood. I thought this thing was going back there where the the connection is on the on the bumper. Uh, like cuz I got the I got yeah. the tow package on the on the Gladiator, the the, the expensive gotcha. one, you know, with the the uh Rubicon axles minus the lockers. So I I got the yeah, the, the fancy it. the fancy package. So, uh, this is just, you mount the controller, and you just mount it up under the dash someplace, and then uh, you got this, uh, the controller knob uh, that, at least in, in the instance that I'm thinking, goes where the 12-volt uh, cigarette lighter or charger is, and, and, and then you, you wire it into the existing wiring of the Gladiator, and then it goes back to the, and then now you're on the plug in the back uh, where you hook it into the trailer, to do all the controlling. So there's no wiring to run. Uh, it just adapts in, and then you plug it into the trailer, and now you work that knob, and, in, and it's breaking, sending the braking signals to the trailer. Is that correct? Cor-
0: correct. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, you can the, the Elite will come with a universal harness that you can splice into your factory... Um, braking system harness, or you can get the vehicle-specific plug-and-play. If you don't want to wire anything oh up, you just
1: want. Oh my God! It's wonderful. Just plugging those things in. That's like when yeah. you start changing out stereos, and you got that that mass of wires, and you have to sit there and. And do all that crap. So, no, if you've got an right. adapter one, it's, it's definitely worth uh, this plug-and-play type stuff. And, and you don't have to worry about uh, it, it not working or having to go back and, and correct what you, uh, what you missed. So, that's yep. really cool. I'm very impressed with this. We should have started with this. This is, this is really interesting.
0: <laughs> I wanted to save the best for last. You know, this is the most universal that, that everybody can really see a value in. Not everybody sees a value in a, in a second battery or getting too much technology in their vehicles. Um, but this is something that it, it can go a long way for.
1: Well, I'll just say it again. A couple of 300 bucks could save you your vehicle and your trailer. I mean, there's no telling what you got in the trailer It's probably something important unless you're moving a friend, then who cares, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, then it's their problem. Maybe, they trusted you in the first place.
1: Maybe you could get them to sign a little waiver saying, "Yeah, that'll it, you got some nice stuff here. It'd be a shame if something happened to it." Now, if you want to buy me a a Topro Elite, uh, we'll uh, we'll be good. <laughs>
0: yep, the two hundred dollars insurance policy.
1: That's right. Well, uh, Ryan, the really interesting conversation. I really appreciate it. And you know how the kids these days, they love that social media. Now, we've already talked about RedArcElectronics.com, and that's the website you want to go to. Hopefully, uh, you heard that at the beginning of the interview, and you've been over there cruising all these fun things that they have. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just think if you got to – oh, that was the third thing. It's, uh, it's cheap insurance. Uh, it is. Uh, it allows you to be uh, to pull a uh, trailer uh, more safely, and it has a button—not just a button, but a knob that you can adjust. And how cool is that to have on your dash? So it's it's three things, and it and really, I just think it's damn cheap. I seriously thought this was going to be like six hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah. No, it's it's very reasonable. It is. It really is. Uh, so a great addition to to your tow vehicle and uh, really any vehicle that you might want to tow. I, I mean, with tow with. I would think that uh, you could put these on a Wrangler, couldn't you? I mean, I know that the Wrangler yeah. doesn't have as much towing capacity as the, the, the Jeep truck. But, uh, I mean, this is something that you might want on anything that you're going to tow if you need to have the control and the safety uh, of it, which I would think everybody it.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we actually um, we cover the Wrangler, the Grand Cherokees, now the Wagoneers. Um, so yeah, we got a good, good solid
1: lift. God, I think that Wagoneer, they were talking about like about ten thousand pound towing. You certainly want something on that uh, that load. Um yeah. So that's great. Well, anyway, let's get back to the, uh, the what the kids love about that social media. We mentioned uh, RedarcElectronics dot com. Can't say that often enough. But what else? Where else can we find you? I'm sure you're you're on the, the Instagram, maybe the TikTok. Uh, yeah. We're all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find Red Arc on Instagram as well. We have two pages. We have a Red Arc USA, and then we also have Red Ark Australia because we are based out of Australia. And then you can find me as well at, at mt underscore chak. If you want to see me in some some Toyota things, if you want to learn the, the the good side of offroading instead of the dark side from the Jeep world.
1: <laughs> Is it uh, what was it again? What did you say it was? M T what? Underscore, D H A K. Ah, I see you. And you, you, uh, uh, I, I need to talk to you about putting your full name out there on the on the social media, Ryan. That's not a good idea. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's probably
1: not smart. Yeah. <laughs> People will be looking you up and telling you how they went to school with you, and they need a, a sweet deal on one of those uh, elite pro controllers. Hey, can you can you hook a guy up? Oh yeah, and here's okay. some here's some pictures in the snow. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that's Ryan. <laughs> well, that's great, Ryan. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, was there anything else that you wanted to cover real quick before we uh, wrap up? No, that's it. Outside of that, if you guys have, if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach
0: out. Uh, we have a great number on our website that for contact info, if you just have a build that you're, you're questioning where to even start, that there's no question too big or too small. We'll walk you through it. That's what we do. We're experts at it. So if you don't even know where to start or you're halfway through and you have questions, feel free to reach out.
1: And, Ryan, I'll let you know that uh, we actually have had at least a couple of people uh, reach out and say, I really enjoy your show and uh, I listen to it. And I don't even have a Jeep, I got a Toyota. So, <laughs> awesome. Good start. so yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's great to hear. So, anyway, uh, Jeep Talk Show is definitely following you there, Ryan. And we'll be uh, also uh, following uh, uh, Red Arc uh, Electronics uh, on the, the social media, and so should you. Uh, Ryan, have a great night. Thank you very much for being with us.
0: You as well. Thank you
1: so much for letting me be on. Hey, thanks again for Ryan Thurston being on the Jeep Talk Show and doing that uh, great interview uh, teaching you about how you can set up dual battery setups on your Jeep. And, you know, it's just a, a handy thing to have uh, when you have one dead battery or maybe you've run down that battery uh, and uh, you still need to start the vehicle. What a great feeling it is just to switch it over and or hit the button and uh, the Jeep starts right up. This is Zach from CNM Jeeps This is Lisa
0: Simon from Trim Perfect This is Alan
1: Peterson with Painless Performance Wiring. This
0: is Amy from TNA Decal This is Neil from SFJ4x4.com This is Randall Spear, Motorsports Manager from Dana Aftermarket This is Paul Wolf from ENI USA r and hey, I'm John Eastmore from Black Forest This is Nathan Leahy from Mickey Thompson Tires and Wheels And, and you're listening, listening to, to the Jeep Talk Jeep Show
1: and A nice big Jeep wave goes out to all of our friends and fans in the off-road industry We thank you for your support You know, you can always visit JeepTalkShow.com to get the latest Uh, episode information but there's another way that you can get information from the jeep talk show and that is to sign up for our newsletter you know it's very easy to sign up for a newsletter just go to jeeptalkshow.com contact and you'll find a link and uh, that you can click and sign up and don't worry it is as easy to unsubscribe as it is to subscribe well, that's all the Jeep Talk show there is for now, Jeeper. Until our next show, be sure and check out our Tac, or some of you people call it TikTok. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Podcasting since 2010.